Welcome to the DevReady podcast, where we're helping non-techs build better tech. Today, we're joined by Jonathan Callanan. He is from the Online Business Accelerator. Um, Jonathan's a serial entrepreneur for anyone out there uh, that loves jumping into multi-faceted uh, businesses and a number of different businesses. He's worked in um, coaching, uh, e-learning, and also now helping people move towards the membership and subscription models within their businesses. Jonathan, thanks for joining us. Pleasure and privilege to be on your podcast. Thanks for inviting me. No, welcome. It's been a long time in the making too. I think we've been playing a bit of tag for a couple of months to get this happening. So, yes, appreciate you being here. And uh, my co-host is not with us, so it'll just be me and you today. So, that should be a good chat. Fantastic. So, first and foremost, I always like to ask, um, tell us a little bit about who Jonathan is, um, a little bit about your background and experience. Yeah, sure, mate. Well, I guess I have a strong coaching educational background uh, started back in the UK as a teacher actually uh, came out to New Zealand about 20 odd years ago now went into the personal training space and coaching and then wanted a new challenge got in from the personal training space uh, I set up a bit of a health site for my clients to connect them with multiple different practitioners and therapists now, that was just a small on-the-side project. I thought, well, you know, I can advertise um, other clients' uh, practitioners as well. But what started off as a small project turned into a fully-blown nationwide natural health directory here in New Zealand, which uh, was interesting. And that sort of took me on a different course. So came out of personal training, went into the sort of the digital space and Obviously, Natural Health Directory uh, was an advertising platform first and foremost. So that kind of got me venturing into weekly, monthly subscriptions. And uh, I didn't really realize that at the time. I mean, this is back in 2009, but, you know, how big subscription model was going to be and how the subscription economy was going to blow up. But back then, it was kind of like, a you know, a nice have, you know, to have uh, clients on retainers. So... Yeah, that, from there, I guess we worked with a multiple uh, different coaches, consultants, practitioners. Um, turned from 2015, we took it into the sort of business coaching space and uh, doing a lot of uh, digital marketing, funnels, Facebook ad campaigns, SEO, you name it, everything digital for service-based professionals. And um, we ended up in the software space uh, given our own frustrations of using multiple different software to achieve, you know, one outcome. <laughs> and I think the fact that we were just drowning in software subscriptions a few years back, we thought was probably a better way to do this because we were already providing software to agencies, to other digital agencies to run their Facebook ad campaigns for their clients. So we wondered, you know, in the e-learning space, if there was a better way to, you know, find a solution that kind of, encompasses the marketing, uh, the community aspect, and uh, all of the communication side of things as well. So uh, that's sort of led us down the path of the last couple of years of creating an all-in-one piece of software, uh, which again, you know, we, we, you can't run from who you are. We're providing that to educators, to coaches, but this time we're just on the different side of the fence creating the software for these guys rather than educating ourselves as much. And 
there's a lot of context there. So thank you for sharing in the depth and breadth of experience and just learning within business models and evolving through business. I think some especially people that are early on in business, uh, it always evolves and it always changes and shifts. And if you're willing to push the boundaries and evolve with it and look at the challenges that are presented in front of you, opportunity can arise. So it appears that you've gone through that journey over the past, what is it? Oh, you're in a 12-year space, yeah, given 2009? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's about 12 years now in the digital space. Yeah, it's a lot of changes. <laughs> it has time. changed a lot. We started our core business in 2008, so 13 years. That's why I didn't have to look at the numbers. When he said nine, I must be 12 years. <laughs> yeah, right. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty close. Yeah. Yeah, pretty close. Yeah. But there's been a lot of change occurring over the time frame in terms of yeah, what's been happening. In terms of subscriptions so early on, that would have been a little bit challenging to maybe understand what that meant for customers at the other end that maybe weren't used to subscriptions. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, subscriptions, I I think if you look at our own consumer behaviors and habits over the past five years, they've shifted dramatically in terms of, you know, how we're consuming food, entertainment, how we go about our daily lives, you know, with tasks and everything else. I mean, even bills that we pay for that, you know, you don't think about power and stuff that's now like some weekly options, monthly options for power, there's apps for power, Uh, pretty much for anything because I think the app space really changed the whole face of the subscription economy and I guess it was always coming but what the app explosion has done has really accelerated this process uh, to the point now where Every small business has to be thinking in terms of subscriptions and be thinking of you know retention because that's exactly how our customers are being conditioned. You know their habits; they're being conditioned to spend uh, weekly, monthly, you know, even stuff like Afterpay and you know, you know, is effectively a subscription. You know, pay two weeks, pay pay an installment over a period of time. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. but. I mean, we don't put a label on it, but that's what it is. It's the subscription economy in full boom. So with small businesses, I guess, well, you've got to meet your customers where they're at and you know, cater to their habits, their needs, their expectations as well, especially around technology. Um, because pretty much if, you know, if you're running a, a tech business, every other tech business is, you know, is a subscription-based business first and foremost, um, but that runs all the way through to service-based businesses, product-based businesses. You know, if you look at, I always think of, you know, the Razor Club. You know, how can you turn razors into a membership subscription? You know, how can you turn razors into a community? But you can, you know, and they did. They did it effectively and they changed the game with that and Gillette weren't too happy about it, but, you know. And they did very well, and it was all about some brilliant marketing, wasn't it? The, I still remember those ads and how clever they were, and they just drew attention. And any in businesses, sales and marketing, and um, they they hit the marketing right on the, on the head there in terms of what they delivered. Clearly, I think they yeah, exited to Gillette. I believe they sold. I think that was something like that. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, so for some big big dollars. Yeah, I believe so. Yes, yeah, so. But if you look at behind that model, it's a community-based model. It's a business model. And, you know, a lot of time, I don't really like the word subscription. I think it's a very cold word. Um, But I I prefer to use the term memberships because, you know, what underpins a successful subscription is the community. 
and the you know the value of the community, the network, especially in service-based businesses. So that's something that everyone's got to be sort of taking on board because we're really moving to the towards this human-to-human experience in business where people are drawn into the network, the community, you know, and being able to network and build connections that way. So there's a great opportunity there, but we have to be doing it. So from a, what does community mean to you? Because I think people that um, can be a part of separate communities, how does one go about building a community and maybe a bit of a brand behind their offering. You've mentioned membership as important as a, as a better frame of reference. That makes a lot more sense because it feels like you're part of something. You're not subscribing to a service. You become a part of our group. Um, I think that can be – I see some challenges in how people might frame that, uh, but I see some value in doing that. But key you said there was all about community. What does that mean? How might we drive community around our membership if we frame it that way? Yeah, well, I think if we go to the purest sense, we think about identity, you know, think about tribes, building tribes. We're we're focusing on attracting like-type businesses, like-type human beings, and as humans, we're naturally drawn to like-minded, like-type, you know, businesses that you know, are going to understand where we're at, going to understand our challenges and the, our journey that we're on. And it's going to make us feel part of something greater. Uh, I think of movement community, you know, they're often sort of interrelated. You know, building a movement, you build a community, right? So people want to feel part of something greater than themselves, but they also want to be able to connect with people that actually understand and get them as well over and above you know, being a client of you, Andrew, and, you know, because um, that whole service provider client relationship is really, you know, is morphing into more of, like I say, uh, it's not about you, it's about us, it's about the value of the, the network, you know, and that's what's going to keep people in your, in your space, in your business at the end of the day. So in the context of, so today we're specifically talking mostly to service-based businesses that want to take some things digitally. Um, how does one move away from that one-to-one business relationship serving one customer to building a community around what they do? Is it a completely different product offering? What does it look like? Just frame it out in the context of an example maybe. Yeah. It's funny. It's a really good question. And every time I think about it, I usually come up with the same answer. But I'm going to sort of slightly frame it a bit differently for you and your your audience because I used to sort of think that, you know, going from a one-to-one to a one-to-many model was a bit of a shift and a bit of shift in thinking and process, whereas now I actually think it's kind of, um, it's, it's a bit like using video in your business. It's like, it's not a luxury. It's an absolute critical tool for your business, like what we're doing right now, you know, some sort of form of video, interactive media. And I think with community, it's exactly the same. It's like if you're not thinking one-to-many community subscriptions, then you're getting left behind by where all the other businesses are trending, where they're going, um, because they will scoop up those clients that you're trying to bring into your business because they've got a different value proposition to what you have. And your community essentially acts like a value proposition for your business. Because like I said before, it's not just the value of what you bring to my business as a service provider. It's actually the value of your community and your network 
and the potential connections that I can make through like-minded people. So when you look at it like that and you kind of say, okay, well, as a small business, that's an actual value proposition, then you kind of go, ah, well, actually, this is something I have to do. It's not something that would be nice to have. It's something I have to do because, you know, this is the state of play right now. And again, I'm going to touch on it in a little while, but if you think of funnel and sales marketing and the way, you know, we attract and retain customers right now, it's all related to, you know, this uh, concept of community. In in terms of community, and you mentioned tribes in this conversation too, um, I hear, hear these words bandied around a bit, but what do you, <laughs> it's a marketing speak, right? It's all terminology that people use to build a box around what it means. So what does that really mean to build tribe um, that's following brand, an advocate for brand? Because um, it's, it's all well and good, but what are we really doing here and how are we actually engaging our people to be, feel a part of this, not just like they're buying a product or a service from us because there's a very different thing between buying a service and delivering that service to have a community I can lean on. And I think is it a different person that wants to be involved in community compared to someone that wants to be served, just say red carpet service compared to being a part of community and serving on a on a more of a one-off type thing or getting access to the community and getting value from that. How do you separate the two or is it more of a pipeline that drives them through a model? Well, I think tribe's a bit cliche. <laughs> I think it's a bit overused. It's a bit of a marketing hypey word. For sure, I totally agree with you there. I use it as an example just to kind of talk about, you know, bringing the like-minded people into your circle. But I'd actually rather place replace tribe, a five-letter T word, with another five-letter T word, and that's trust. And that's what tribe is. And if you see it as trust, and you're creating trust by creating a circle full of people that act as your, you know, brand advocates, um, your referral partners that bring in other people like them, their friends, their business colleagues. That's really what it's all about. It's creating that no like trust, you know, more creating more of an intimate connection, of course. Uh, if you think of social media, you know, uh, social media has changed the, the playing field in terms of how we connect with our customers and how deep that connection is. And again, it's something we have to be embracing. But, you know, it's if you think of social media, you've also got social proof. <laughs> by You know, so if, if there's people, uh, you know, attracting plenty of audience and plenty of members into, you know, their so-called tribe, their, their audience, their community, then others connected with those people are going to be looking at them going, oh, okay, well, this, this must be interesting because so-and-so likes them or, you know, so-and-so follows them. And, and that's really, you know, that, that is the power of social media and that's why it's so important to build a community because of that social proof and widening reach. You mentioned that you've obviously built a product to help assist people move from the one-to-one to the one-to-many. Um, we won't dig into too much around how that went today, but I think there'll be a follow-up episode in terms of um, building the tech and taking you on that journey. But for today's conversation, um, if a business is working in a social environment um, would you recommend just setting up like a Facebook group or something along those lines that would serve them in a community setting? Or would you go a little bit further than that to engage your community? It's a good question. If you'd asked me that question two years ago, I'd have said, yep, all in on Facebook groups. 
Uh, fast forward to today, 2021, and I'd say make sure you have your own community set up independent of Facebook. And there's a number of different reasons for that. But I think if we look at the state of play again with businesses using Facebook groups right now, you know, there's a lot of disgruntlement in terms of limited reach. Um, and that's well was the biggest draw card for setting up a Facebook group in the first place was being able to reach more businesses, right? Well, you know, that's dwindling. Uh, but, you know, there's obviously some tech issues, there's some platform issues, you know, around set, censorship and what you can and you can't do. And, you know, whether you buy into that or not, you still don't control <laughs> what goes on on Facebook. And, of course, you know, at the end of the day, if, if you're just relying on Facebook for your group and Facebook decides to do away with groups next year, then you're pretty screwed. So uh, you definitely want to be, I'm not saying don't leverage Facebook groups. You do want to have a Facebook group because it gives you that social media. It gives you a bit, I say it gives you reach, but it gives it potentially taps into other people that you wouldn't have found in your own platform or, you know, it gets you in more places, gets you more visible. But I would have your own community and um, a place where people can log in. Ideally, you know, they, they can access an app, but at least at the very least they can log in, communicate with other people inside your community, your audience, your business, uh, access resources, courses, you know, those those types of things. You 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 want to be creating that, you know, circle of influence um, independently off Facebook and LinkedIn for that matter. On that note, is this sort of a, a tipping point where you may move towards your own community? Because starting day one with zero community may be a significant investment. Would it mm, look at, do we just set up on a Facebook or a LinkedIn community, build that and then evolve into something a little bit more um, built for you rather than utilizing what exists in the social networks? Yeah, I mean, I guess the, you know, the low-hanging fruit here is to get on Facebook, get a group up, right? It's very quick and easy, start inviting people. So, you, you know, absolutely leverage Facebook's tools because Facebook is, you know, the social platform and you might as well do that in the early days. But you, you're right, and you will get to a tipping point, and I'd probably put that at around 100 members, uh, where you've got 100 members, and then you set up your own community, your own platform, own software, and you call the tune, you call the shots, you know, on how you run that community, and you know, start thinking more in terms of you know, creating a playground for yourself, like a free playground for businesses that then offers you know a paid subscription a paid membership whether it's a course a program uh, whether it's a, like a club or a just you know a monthly type solution where people get additional content additional access to you as a service provider there's so many different options and you know it's not one size fits all here but there are a lot of different options that people have to be exploring and jumping on you know you might not get it right first time um, and that's where you ask your audience, go out to them, find out what they want, you know, what they'd pay for, um, get a good feel of, you know, your audience, what they want, and make them part of, you know, your your growth and your community. 
I think um, you mentioned get a feel for what they want. <laughs> Anything in business, we need to understand what our customers need, want, desire. Um, it can definitely drive us in the right direction. Uh, the, the more we speak to our customers, the more we realize that uh, we might need to pivot or change direction in some cases. Um, yeah, so anyone that's listening out there, it's definitely a great tip to just speak to your customers, whether it be subscriptions or whatever you're doing, just get out there and talk to them. Talk to them, empower them, make them part of your, you know, your rebrand, your business growth, and 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 like you asked before, Andrew, about you know how do I feel about community stuff? Well, you know, if if you asked any other business, they would say, well, I don't know, but they should know. They should be putting a survey out to their audience. They should be asking them would they value a community aspect to the business where they can network with you know other customers, other like minded you know, type people um, because if you're not, you're kind of doing yourself a disservice and effectively, you know, you're putting yourself behind your competitors that are doing it. So, yeah, the survey is really important. Mm. In the context of um, a lot of our listeners uh, building tech product, um, maybe in the SaaS world they're looking to launch their own products, which you've d- done in this space, but we'll get into that another time. But if you are doing that, how does a community and this sort of mechanism add value to a business like that? Because obviously there's a lot of competition in the world of SaaS and online platforms and there's a lot of noise in the space. Um, could you see this as a differentiator for businesses that are selling products and then offering a full community-driven uh, how we utilize product, get the most out of that niche or industry that they're working in? Absolutely. I think if you look at where consumers are at they were really in that sort of done with you kind of space at the moment where you know people are going to see you as more valuable as a service provider if you're providing that service if you're providing a done with you and a done for you service because i mean how many businesses do we know that run software and you know that uh, sorry, they're using software but not actually using it. They're <laughs> paying and not using. Yeah, there's plenty of that in the subscription subscription space. I said subscription because it's not real membership when you're signing up to these things. It's, yes, I'm subscribing to a product. But when you kind of engender that we're in it together mentality and you have those different offerings, those different tiers of services, then as a small business, you're going to find that more attractive, not just for the now, but also medium term you know later on because you know that support that level of supports there as and when you need it and i think if you're not thinking that way if you're not thinking about that community extension then you know again it's just a case just a matter of time before a business goes elsewhere to find that and so it's yeah it, it's a good question and it's it's for some it will be a bit of a pivot for sure but you, you've got to, you can't ignore, you know, consumer behaviours right now. In terms of, you mentioned pivot there, um, the one-on-one, and you mentioned content a little bit in this too, so um, in the, let's lay out an example. Um, there are a million and one CRMs that exist on the market. Um, let's, let's pretend I have one in the, uh, the health and fitness space, right? Um what might I be able to do to build a community around that? Would I be building content around that space to serve those end customers that are buying the product to help them better utilize 
the product or would I even go beyond that and help them better support their customers? Um, would you go beyond the mechanism of the product and jump into the what they're doing in the end result as a business level? Yeah, I think it's a combination of both. Uh, certainly, you know, you, you've got to first and foremost ensure that your customers are getting value for money. I mean, that's you can't, you know, veer away from that. So how do you add value up, you know, to ensure that that's the case? Well, like you've kind of demonstrations, education, uh, providing different options, um, different ways for them to use the software, uh, keeping them up to speed with the latest changes, you know, in that particular software niche, for example, in that, sorry, in that niche that software is, you know, um, providing. Uh, all of that is good value. And, uh, well, again, it's a value proposition that will easily help, you know, your business sort of stand out against competitors. But, yeah, you you kind of want that ongoing kind of support mechanism as well where you kind of like um, people customers feel like that you've got their back in terms of implementing stuff and really kind of meeting them where they're at as well like if people aren't logging in to use software then you should know about it and you should be you should have systems in place to reach out to them and you know i think a lot of SaaS models there there's a bit of fear around creating communities around software because you're going to get inundated with tickets or you're going to you know, you're going to get people moaning about stuff. Well, in my experience, and, you know, I can think of one particular piece of software. I won't name the company, but you can probably guess who it is. <laughs> they launched a bit prematurely a few years back, and uh, they had a plethora of issues in their first 12 months. And I mean an absolute multitude of software issues, tech issues. And if you went in their group, you'd be like, oh, my God, what is this? Well, you know, that piece of software is doing pretty all right for itself right now because the, the, the main thing was they resolved those issues first and foremost, but they also provided a, an open space for people to vent and, you know, because that's going to happen. Customers are going to get, you know, they're going to need, get frustrated and they're going to need to do that. I think you can take two frames from that perspective. Do you want them venting on your general social media or within your community where you can actually serve them and answer them and, and, and look after them, nurture them? And if it gets too bad, you have their details, you can contact them. What like I think it's a better way to control the conversation. Um so that's probably a different way to look at it, I would imagine. Um, the last thing you want is new customers seeing the, too much of the venting because <laughs> they might not jump on board. But, yeah, I think. Yeah, and it goes back to that we're in it together. You know, your frustration is my frustration. So how do we deal with it? How do we find a solution? And as soon as you show, you know, that you're a company willing to do that, then people are going to stick around for longer regardless of their frustration. Yeah, I think um, – yeah, giving people a place to feel heard is what we're all about here. Um, in any context, if you're, you're heard and you're not just talking to a brick wall and you're getting that response back and you're seeing progress, then it's going to be a much better model for people to buy in and become a part of the, the whole vision for what you're attempting to achieve. Yeah, I mean, that's a kind of a free community, but it could be a free community as an extension to a paid piece of software, right? So effectively, it's not free, but it is kind of free. 
because um, you could have, say, like uh, test drive users in there that haven't paid for the software, but that doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, you're building a community, you're building your brand, you're building that social word of mouth, and that's you know effectively what you want as a SaaS model, right? You want people going, oh, that community's strong, and you've got lots of interaction in there and good questions, and people are supportive and helpful to that. So, you know, um, the, the other opportunity is to kind of like, for example, we're obviously in the e-learning space. Well, yeah, we will have a free community uh, for all the kind of, you know, the nuts and bolts of using the software. I mean, we try and keep tickets independent of the community questions, but, you know, there's always going to be overlap. That's fair enough. But that's a free community, like I said, in the in the sense that anyone can join it. We expect people to taken the two-week course commander trial which is our software we expect them to have taken it but we know that not everyone will so but that's fine but they're in a community where potentially they'll hear other people singing about it and see other people getting supported and we'll use it at some point so that would be like a okay a free extension a community um to the software but the other opportunity is because we're providing in the e-learning in the coaching space consultancy space you know those types of people we're creating a community above that as well which is more of a a paying monthly subscription where you bring in complementary value providers in that space and there's the opportunity and it doesn't have to be much in terms of a you know a paying subscription it could be like 27 dollars. it could be token almost you know Right, exactly. It can be just small people kind of, you know, um, I mean, you say pick a number and it's, it's, it's a good point. But if you try and pick a number that's kind of, you know, comparable to something that they're paying in their real world for $27 and you kind of go, okay, well, that's that's nothing. That's just like, yeah, pay that. Yeah. Then you can kind of go, well, yeah, that's at that level where it's just a no-brainer, you know. But you're providing that value. You're providing some trainings. Uh, they, they get additional resources because I, I do believe it's quite difficult to go from a free community to getting people into your high-level services, paid programs, you know, whatever it is because people in free communities are being conditioned to free. So you've got to be careful with that. There needs to be some sort of intermediate step there and a low-paying subscription is the best way to do that. I think that's a fair point, yeah. Condition to free. <laughs> as soon as it's free, you get everybody jumping in and there's a price point. They do. They, they shy away, yes. One thing you did mention and a question I sort of had was how might someone encourage people to interact with the community, especially when they're early on? Uh, what's some of the things you can put in play to get people to actually start participating, especially when it's really raw and you're beginning community? What's some of the tactics you might use there? Yeah, I mean, just fun elements are, are really important, engaging fun type posts, uh, group sort of contests, challenges, and Challenges are a good one because, you know, obviously you invite other people in, you make that part of the challenge to invite other people in, you know, have um, like leader boards and stuff, credits and, you know, give away bits and pieces from time to time for those that are participating the most in the group or, you know, inviting other people in and, you know, whatever it is, obviously you need to be able to measure it. Um, But you've just got to kind of engagement posts have got to be really high in those early days 
uh, for that first hundred users is because content is not going to get much, you know, interaction just because of you think of reach limitations and oh, there's so much content out there these days. It's yeah. there's so much content, right? Yeah, correct. <laughs> so you've got to have right, right. So you've got to sort of show a different face if you like to your business and by you know making it a bit more fun and interactive, you know kind of almost gamifying your group to, to an extent, you know, in that, those early days. Yeah, as soon as you mentioned leaderboards, that's a word I went to is gamifying it and, hey, it might bring some enjoyment and friendly competition uh, into it. Everyone likes a leaderboard to some extent, especially if they've got some, I wouldn't say the word passion because maybe that's not the right thing for when you're using certain products, but it's um, – if everyone feels like they're getting some value, then they can add value to the community, then they might buy into that. I think it's a sticky point in terms of um, the type of personalities that may sit in a community compared to others. Um, but it's, yeah, I can see the value in bringing it in and building memberships around it and what that might mean to a business that's serving one-to-one right now, one-to-many, but then in a SaaS frame, I think you're doing it in your world of SaaS product and it makes a lot of sense there. But you've also got to get out of your own space as well, get out of your own head. And in fact, probably the most valuable tactic I haven't even said yet, which in the early days, you build collaborators, you know, build build value providers, uh, build relationships with other businesses that can invite their people into the group. They can be a moderator. They can add value at posts. You know, obviously, you set the expectation. Um, That's very important. You don't want just to be inviting people just to spam your group, but, you know, it's on the provide that's where you need a vision for your group as well you need kind of like a code of ethics if you like so that any collaborator has a one-page pdf that just you know they read through they know exactly what the code of ethics are and you know what the, the overall vision is for the group and the community and they buy into that or they don't but you know you, you ultimately you're left with people that provide more content um, there's more expertise in the group and of course they can invite more people into the group as well that can be part of you know the expectation for them adding content i think uh, that's quite a bit of thinking um in terms of yeah building the collaboration um because yeah, a community is not built by one <laughs> the word needs we need many and, and many perspectives i think um, solo builders yeah yeah <laughs> we're pretty <laughs> rare yeah, definitely. Put yourself on a pedestal um, and just being the Well, I'll tell you person. what, it's, it's an interesting point. I don't like to put in, but uh, I know communities out there that are built by one person and they've got like, you know, um, 40, 50,000 members in there and their engagement sucks. Uh, you wouldn't know there's people in there, you know, because they've created that about me kind of um, energy and vibe and it doesn't work in Facebook groups. It's, you know, it just, it doesn't. I mean, Facebook groups are hard enough to, you know, you've got to f- keep thinking of ways to keep it fresh and interesting. And that's why you need collaborators as well to do that with the content because you might think you've got a whole library of content in your head, but as soon as you run a Facebook group, you know, you start, you start getting these little voices going, oh, I'm talking about the same thing all the time. You, you need to freshen up. So, yeah. And the only way to generally do that is different perspectives. Um, like in, in anything, you know, we're all different voices, different perspectives. So, in the world of collaborators, would you freshen them up during a community or as you're building it? Would you bring in different voices along the process that might moderate and add more content? How would you approach that? 
Well, for me, like I think the community that I built um, on Facebook, the No Fluff Marketing community, I started really, I think for the first hundred, seems to be kind of the number I sort of normally live by is where I make changes and, you know, change the dynamics of things. But after that first hundred, started inviting collaborators in, started talking with partners. And what you often find with groups is one of the biggest benefits of having a group is the, the potential joint venture partners in there for your own business. And I just... I don't think I consciously thought about, okay, I'm going to have a team of moderators and collaborators now. I Like anything, it naturally evolved that way because, you know, you reach out to people, you find the synergy and win-wins with their business, you know, then you invite them in the group and you go, by the way, would, you know, you'd like to be part of the group in a bit more of a regular basis, providing value, jump on some interviews, you know, and invite some of your own people in as well. And people are generally very open to that idea. Uh, you'd be surprised. I mean, if they're running their own community, often you find that, you know, you just do some swap interviews, swap trainings, but, you know, people are very open, if you know, to doing that. Um, I think, um, yeah, there's, there's plenty to be said with that. And that's like anything in business. Uh, if you are in a position of starting out and thinking about evolving product or in the middle of building product, commercializing, we need a network. We need collaborators. We need people we can work with, um, people that we synergize with. And I think in the same context as what this podcast has become for us is connecting to brilliant like-minded people. Um, and that's the same thing in anything really. So the more that you can get out, engage and network, and this is another means to do that. Um, I think there's yeah, significant value in anything that builds network, collaboration, um, and just bringing like-minded people together because that's where the real magic sort of happens and the synergies start to come together. Yeah. It is. Yeah, you go much further together, that's for sure. And yeah, don't underestimate the brand authority side of things as well of having your own group. You know, having your own group with, you know, 1,000, 2,000 members in is seen as a, a real selling point to a lot of businesses that don't have a group. Uh, so, you know, you, it gives you leverage, gives you leverage to approach them and, you know, talk about if you want them, if you want someone on an interview that maybe previously wouldn't have jumped on an interview, but they know you've got a strong group and community and it's the ideal audience you know, to speak to, then, you know, and I've seen it myself when I was running a, um, a show last year, No Fluff Marketing Show, you know, getting people like um, Brad Sugars, you know, on the show and, um, you know, a number of other top sort of high-profile people that, generally speaking, wouldn't have been on the show if I didn't have an audience, who didn't have the community there that they bought into that. Yeah, I think it's, People buy into where their numbers are. That means that they, they perceive that as, yeah, there's value here. If there's numbers, there's value. Um, and that's generally how we, we rank and rate anything. So, yeah, I think anyone – is you still running the No Fluff Marketing Podcast? Uh, no. No, um, discontinued. I discontinued. I was going to lead anyone down there, but that's okay. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, no, I'm just interviewing a few people from the group at the moment just to sort of on a weekly basis. Just to, Again, it's another way to freshen up the content in the group, just get members actually on a hot seat type 25 half an hour interview. So, but no. Yeah, no, I think it's always evolving and I think you can get sort of uh, stuck in a bit of monotony of the way you approach things. So, yeah, you need to be – 
thinking differently all the time. And yeah, hats off to you for doing that and doing something different. Um, in terms of starting out a community, where if I'm in business running something, if I'm running some a product, what's the first step? Do I just jump on Facebook, build, put start my community there? Do I plan this out, strategize? Where do you recommend people start? Uh, well, if they're starting from scratch and no audience, do you mean? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, they might have an audience. They might have customers already. How do they begin to maybe engage them into a community? And what's maybe a couple of the first steps they might want to think about? Okay. Well, I mean, the first thing too is to reach out to those people that you've already got in your audience, uh, whether it be customers, prospects, you know, past existing customers, doesn't matter. But, you know, just kind of... Instead of just reaching out to them and saying, hey, I'm running a Facebook group, Can you? would you like to join, which is very boring, <laughs> very planned, you know, kind of, again, no, it's not. And you're not going to get a great uptake doing that either. So think about your vision. Think about why you're creating the Facebook group. Why? How is that going to improve their lives? And then articulate that in an email. Get, get that information out to people, whether it's on a call or email in person, doesn't really matter. Um, depending on how your business model works. <clears throat> but, you know, just think of the three key advantages, key benefits for, you know, your existing audience to be part of that community. And that's the first step. The second step is then to turn them into, you know, word of mouth evangelists, I like to call them, and, you know, invite other people into the community. And, you know, then just build it exponentially because <laughs> groups will build exponentially if you keep doing it the same you know keep working on the same growth building tactics and you bring in partners collaborators to invite other people in but you know you've got to be in it for um you know good two three years it's not something you can just do overnight that needs time and effort to invest learn understand what the community really needs and evolve with it like you said you need to be um basically getting a, a good understanding of why they're there and why they're going to come back because yeah if you're not freshening up too that's one of the probably biggest challenges within a community it can dwindle away if it's just the same old same old so there's a bit of takeaway there but i think one of the key takeaways for me from this conversation is just get started talk to your customers talk to people that may you may want to attract understand why like anything why you're in business why you want this part of this business um, why you need a community do you really i think that judgment needs to be said um, yes yeah, so there's plenty of content for people to start thinking about this so really good content here uh, jonathan thanks for sharing it mate oh, it's been a pleasure buddy thanks yeah. um for inviting me on no, it will do. And um, like I said, there'll be a, a take two with Jonathan coming up uh, in the future, which will be looking at um, more product and how he's gone about building technology. So listen in for when that pops pops in. So Jonathan will share in the show notes all your details and how people can connect. So really appreciate you coming on Dev Ready Podcast. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it.